How are we? Good morning. Coffee with closers every Wednesday, 12 uh, noon Eastern time. Okay. Uh, 11 Central, 9 Pacific. If you're watching, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We are late and we do apologize. So, hey, no worries. Starting to join. So, that's cool. No worries at all. Gentlemen, how are you? How was your weeks? Good. Good. Dave, you, uh, Don, you're on mute, bud. <laughs> Am I still muted? Can you hear me? No, no, you're there. Were you there? Now yeah. you are. You muted. Uh -oh. Back and forth. Back and forth. Gavin, how was um, your week? Buddy? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, what have we got going on? Just, uh, just the usual, really. I mean, I don't think I have anything like too exciting. I'll tell you one thing. One little share. That's frustrating. Um and a learning curve is that we have a flip right now that we should have been listed probably 10 days ago and we're waiting to paint the outside of the house and it's rained every day and we have not been able to paint it so it's ready to go it's ready to be listed we're just waiting to paint it so i guess the uh the moral of the story is paint the house whenever you can don't wait till the end like we did because now we're in and it shouldn't be raining in in birmingham but it is literally has rained every day we cannot paint this thing and that's the last thing so anyone listening what do we put in place now we're going to paint the damn thing when as soon as we get the house and it's ready and we have a nice day it's being painted and then we'll do touch up and we didn't we flipped the whole thing we did everything paint it last and now because of the weather we're, we're, we're literally nearly two weeks behind and still haven't painted it so that's frustrating um but it won't happen again we had the same issue can you guys hear me now <clears throat> yes we had, we had the same issue. i mean it's been it's probably been two years but it's a good story when if you know i mean right now you're in the middle of july so you probably didn't even think it was gonna no, rain, i didn't but, even think yeah, didn't even think but but for us, it was, uh, you know, California has had these droughts and we have rain and droughts. Well, we're, we're, we're coming out of a drought season and, and we picked up a house, I think, in like November, September, November. And we had finished the rehab, had a giant yard and we couldn't landscape it because it rained for 60 days straight almost. It was mud and muck. We literally set on a, a $600,000 house. It's a very high end rehab in our market. We sat there with our thumb up our rear end for two months. <laughs> because we couldn't landscape the damn thing. And if we had, we landscaped it when we first bought the property, we would have been fabulous. I had two months worth of interest that I had to eat. So um, we, we've learned that if we're buying something that we're gonna be doing any kind of rehab on through the winter, for sure, we're doing landscaping first. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but you don't realize until you live it, right? right. I mean, I right. didn't know that we were gonna deal with this in July in, in right. Birmingham when it's supposed to be humid and sunny. And maybe the odd day of rain, but I mean, literally 10, 12 days straight. And again, now the part of the process is, is what you've just said. You go at it, anything outside, you get it done when you can, because you never know what's going to happen. So uh, that yeah, was a learning a, curve. You know, and this this is like, okay, so this is, let's just start doing our little, what, what are they, euthanisms or sayings or whatever. But, um, you know, people think that you come out of the gate knowing everything. We're talking about massive imperfect action, right? Systems and processes are built out of situations like this. Yeah. I just had my ass handed to me. I didn't know better. And now this will be a system or process I implemented my business moving forward. That's how you guys ended up with great businesses. It wasn't that you just started with a great business. It's, it's experience. And so many people 100%. fail to see that, 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 you know, it's even if I tell you exactly what to do, 
you're still going to make mistakes that you're going to learn from that are going to cause you to implement something in your business to make you better, period, hands down. So that's great. People need to hear that. Nailed it. Yeah, you're 100% right. I think we're always learning and tweaking, right? Um, right. Because of that. And and yeah, you learn from your own mistakes. And, and even as educators and teachers, we don't have like, the answers. I mean, this thing, I've just explained one that we missed. It was so simple and it makes sense, but you just take it for granted that it's not going to happen because the time of year. And then boom, here it is, and we can't list. And and and, and again, it's ready. It's ready to go, and, and we're paying money on it. So, no, really good, really good. So basically, the takeaway from that, the little gold, is you're going to create systems and processes as you go from things that aren't happening and need to be uh, working better. So really good, really good. Yeah, great, great point. You said 60 days of rain. What was? Did you build an arc? It wasn't quite 60 days of rain. It's a little exaggeration. <laughs> but the thing is, is we, you know, you need time in between rain for the ground to dry out and right, we didn't have right. that time in between rain. So it was about 60 days of, of rain, but it wasn't every single day. It was enough to keep in there and couldn't get in there without like, you know, making we a had bigger to, mess. Than yeah, we had, we, had to, we had to bring in, you know, uh, the, what are they called? The little tiny tractor thing, bulldozer deals or whatever, the little tiny ones. Um, I don't even know what they're it's called. Yeah, we had to bring those in to move things around and move stones and different things like that. And you know, they were going to get stuck if we, you know, if the ground wasn't dry. And it was, it was just a thing. It was, it was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. now make sure you do the landscaping either first, first. or don't wait till the end, right? Right. And right. the painting. And the painting. And the painting. Because remember, it needs to dry. People are like it's not raining now. They could do it now. Well, yeah, but it's going to rain in three hours, and then it's just not going to be, you know, uh, set or whatever. So yeah, crazy. Love it. Love it. Guys, we got a question here. Let's take a look. So Kay says, just really curious, what's the best way to go from one to two fix and flips to five to 10 in a month? And Don, this is going to be all you, buddy. You're the fix and flip king here. The Don Costa or the. Okay. <laughs> well, the okay. So the the thing that I would, I would say is um, there's a few. There, there, this is a loaded question. This, this is. This is like two days worth of conversation, you know, it to, to really, to really teach, I think, you know, how to, how to scale a flipping organization properly. But, but in, in a nutshell, the first thing you want to want to look at, I think is the most important thing is how you're borrowing money. Um, because most people, when they try to scale their flip, fix and flip operation, scale themselves basically into stress and anxiety and no money in the bank. You're putting money down on properties. If you're borrowing hard money, you're having to front the rehab costs. And, you know, you do simple math. If you have a hundred thousand dollar property, you're putting $20,000 down on, you know, um, and you're buying four a month, you know, that's $80,000 a month right there. If your average turn time is 120 days, if you're, if you're, you're down payments plus your monthly payments, you're out about 180 grand um, at the end of 120 days before you turn that first set of properties. So no, most people that are growing a rehab business can't sustain that part of it. And that's where the stress and anxiety comes in. You start making mistakes and bad decisions because you're operation, operating from position of weakness. You're trying to you start ponzi money from one you start thing ponzi to the money. next. Mm -hmm. Yep. Square pegging around holding uh, situations, um, taking offers less than you probably deserve to get for the property because you need it off your books. Yeah. And that, that that's no way to, to scale and run a healthy business. So the first thing, the most important thing in my book is to get how you borrow and order. Um, and for us, it's 100% from our private money lenders. So the first thing I would do is start establishing those relationships, 100% financing. That's 100% of rehab, purchase, and holding costs. 
you should not be out any money out in any project, period. And the way you sell that to a private money lender is just tell them the truth. If I'm putting skin in the game on every single property, my money's not in the bank. If you have a business that does not have money in the bank and something goes wrong, am I a bad bet or a good bet? Man, that is bet. a great point, Don. Holy yeah. cow. I'm a bad bet. Now, if I if I promise to keep operational reserves and I don't put any money in these projects and something goes wrong and I have operational reserves, am I a bad bet or a good bet? I'm a I'm a fantastic bet. I always said the word. But I'm a fantastic bet. And that's how you sell it. <clears throat> and what happens is it changes the dynamic. It changes your mindset. And, and we talk about mindset all the time. Mindset is literally the most important part about any part of this business, whether it's sales or building your team or anything. How you operate from position in your business, whether it's weakness or power, is significant to the type of operation you build and run and whether or not it's a prison or something you enjoy. So how you borrow is the first step. Get that in order. Um, that is, that's number one. You know, I can go through a half a dozen things on hiring contractors. I would literally dominate this call. What I, what I would say is um, I'm working on something. I'm working on something that where I really, I'm going to lay out like how we hire contractors, how we expect the bids to be, um, how we pay our contractors, basically how we systematize the whole process, uh, even how we've cash flowed our marketing. Um, in our business by utilizing our private money lenders. And that's something that, you know, I'll announce here in, in a couple of weeks. And, and, you know, if you want to take a stab at that, you're more than welcome to, um, you know, but I don't want to dominate the call going into it. Number one, get your borrowing in order and then we can talk about the rest. Come back and let us know you got your borrowing in order. We'll go from there. I, I think just to add real quick um, is that, well, the next one is the crew for me. You know, it, it's how much can my crew handle? Um, and only grow as good as your crew. That's what I would do. Do not take on too many jobs when you don't have the people in place to do the work and if they can't handle it. So our GC, we get with him and, and literally have the conversation, how many can you run and handle? Uh, and then he goes, we can buy one every two weeks. Then that's what we're on for, right? Mm -hmm. And then if we, if, if we need to go, well, I want to buy two every two weeks, We'll get with him and say, "You need? Can you build to the point where we can buy two every two weeks, and then we build from there?" So we only grow as fast as the whole team can work. Again, that's when the anxiety kicks in. That's when the stress levels kicks in. If you have properties sitting there and you don't have the crews, yeah, so, and, and, I mean, and, and or you have crews that aren't doing aren't doing the, the job properly, and that's people will tell you what you want to hear. That you got to be careful as a leader when you go to your GC guy. And I know you say, "How many can you do?" And if he says I can take on six every two weeks, you know he's not true telling you the truth. For like, sure, yes, yeah. it's building so, the relationship for sure. Yeah, yeah. you got you got to you got to know what's reasonable, and that that there's a little bit of learning curve, but but there's also the obvious too. Like you know, the guy's got a crew, uh, maybe ten, and so you know five can do this project and five can do this project, and that's realistic. And, and so you got to go with the obvious when you're talking to these people and set them up for success. So many people want to take what they tell us. They're going to overpromise to us. And we take that and we go, okay, well, here's 10. And then they fail and they go, well, you're an epic failure. You failed me. You're a crappy contractor. No, you, you're, you're a crappy leader because yeah. you, you, you put too much on these people's plate. So yep. there's, 
there's a lot of things to look at in that from contractors trying to cash flow on you, uh, you know, and that's essentially taking pro money from your project to pay to finish a project before your project um, to over promising and under delivering to, um, you know, maybe they're in a cash crunch and they take on your two and they take on three from somebody else. Like there's a lot of things you got to look for in building these relationships. People is the most, people's the hardest part of this business okay. in any part of it. I mean, you don't want to up your marketing unless you have people in place. You don't want to up your rehabs unless you have people in place and, and finding the good people on your team. That's, that's the caveat. That's, that's, that's the carrot, right? The thing that makes us great or not. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing is as well, is that we got to find these things, right? Yeah. So you got to, you're finding one or two. Now you're going to find five or 10. So you got to have that in place to actually right. source these deals. But again, so there's actually a lot of things then guys. We could literally be here for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what I'm hearing is, is that your business isn't, very elastic, especially on the money side, right? And even more right. so probably on the fixed side, you have to have the right people in place or processes mm -hmm. in place. Otherwise, you're just going to have a ton of inefficiencies. You're going to have a ton of inefficiencies. Absolutely. You know, that on the money side, once you shore that up, that changes the dynamic. Like I was talking about, you know, um, you can start sliding things in for cost per deal, like your cost per deal for acquisition, you know, your marketing cost per deal. That's a true cost per deal. And a lot of lenders will lend you money, that money back. So you can start recouping your marketing and how you borrow and start really running a stable business on the people side. Um, that's where being working on yourself as a leader and looking in the mirror and taking personal responsibility is huge. Like, like Gavin said, asking them what they can do and not demanding what you expect, listening to what they're telling you, and then, you know, paying attention and managing these people is very important. Ultimately, I try to hire somebody that's teachable and coachable. Somebody that's going to be a teammate and I treat them like an internal employee to a certain degree in the sense that if there's an issue, it's work, let's work together to not have that issue on the next project. And as long as they're working with us, they're going to yeah. stay with us. And the reason why we've been successful in rehab is because we we create situations and relationships with contractors where we work with them for 10 years. Yeah. And a lot of people think contractors are disposable and treat them like they're disposable. And that's why you have a business that will give you a headache. And I'd, I'd rather slam my head in a door a hundred times and have a business like that. Yeah. So, you know, you can't, people are the cabinet. You can't treat them like they're disposable. Your private lenders, your contractors, your, you know, in, any, any people, once you have good people, yeah, teach value them counsel, those people, relationships. value those people. Because I, I think everyone thinks everyone's replaceable, right? Which is true. But at what cost to you? Yeah, what cost? It's a huge pain in the ass having to yeah. replace people. Nightmare. Because then you yeah. got to go through all the bad to get the good again. And you're back mm -hmm. on the rat race. And uh, I agree. You know, just, just I think, treat people fair. And I think it's dance communication. It's, you know? it's, commu it's communication. It's, it's, it's accepting personal responsibility. It's understanding where somebody has an opportunity to grow and then leading them in that direction. Yeah. One of our big things that we had to get over was allowing the contractor because obviously we're the boss right we're in control but i'm mm -hmm. letting them have a say right their expertise is better than than ours and it'll be like oh yeah you did you know this type of work surface or cabinet and and and, and they allowed it to happen because they didn't want to get involved and we overspent by five six grand and they were oh i wouldn't have done that i would have done this <laughs> but why don't you tell us yeah you know? why don't you say so so again mm -hmm. making sure you let them have a say hey if you think there's a better way a cheaper way a more efficient way let's talk about it let's let's discuss it and and all these things and they're like oh yeah i wouldn't have done that and i wouldn't have done that and i could have saved you 20 grand if we would have done it this way and i'm thinking well yeah that's great why don't we do that why don't you say you know so making sure you allow them to have a say uh critical as well so we've made all of these mistakes 
That's mm-hmm. the funny yeah. part. And that's how we know. I've got into situations where I didn't have my finance in order, like you said, Don, and you're mm-hmm. like selling one in a hurry to get the money mm-hmm. and, and, and leaving money on the table, right? So I love that you started with that. I think that's a great, great point. But there's so many other things as well. There's so many, but the, the uh, foundation, yeah, yeah, the process, the foundation, yeah, the foundation right. of how you borrow is extremely important to build because you, you can't, you can't, you can't treat your people good if you're stressing about whether or not you can pay them. And financial stress is the worst. It's the worst stress. Yeah, yeah, yes, the and worst. So, and you, I think a good point as well, just to really highlight is with the with the lending as Don said, you've got to be pushing and building relationships to get a hundred percent funded. Because if you have 10 flips on, you could have a million bucks out your own pocket in these deals. And let's be honest, very many flippers out there sitting with a million in the bank, right? And if you're sitting with a million in the bank, the next thing is why are you not putting some of that money to work? So you probably shouldn't be sitting with a million in the bank. So, um, you got to think about that. And, And I think that's important. You might have to take a higher interest rate, I will take a higher interest rate and have 100% funded, especially while I'm trying to do multiple of them, than take a low interest rate and bring 20% in. Because I can only do so many, two and I'm out, I'm done, right? So something else for someone, for you know, for you guys. Gavin, that's such a great point. And I wanna highlight something real quick. Even if you're paying a high rate, like, you know, 12, 14, Mm -hmm. even 16, guys, I I don't wanna pay that high, but, I'm willing to do so because really the goal is not to have this loan out for 20 years. Yeah. Have the loan out for three months or four months or five months at the most. Yeah. Right. So it's like if even at 16%, you know, five, five months, that's what maybe six, six or seven grand in interest. If you have Mm -hmm. an opportunity to go make 50,000 and you have to pay six or $7,000 in interest, and hopefully mm-hmm. on the back end to, to have that opportunity, like you're still $44,000 in the green, right? Let's, so, let's, let's put it in perspective. I get I get 100% financing between 8 and 10% on a regular basis. That's a great so, rate. Really good. That's a great that's rate. A ton, yeah. Even what I'm saying is even yeah. if it's higher, people are like, oh, I'm not going to do that deal. Why though? Like you don't get it. You're not paying it long term. Keep it yeah. short. It, it was uh, – me and Dave recorded on my podcast. We recorded a podcast this morning. Uh, it's not out yet. And um, it was really good. We were talking about this, weren't we? When you said, and I'd not heard of this before, about everyone talks about the Burr method. And, and I have my, you know, personal opinion on rentals, as we, we've talked about in the past. But you said about pre-Burr, right? Pre-Burr, making sure that you're qualified and you understand on the back end, back to that financial position, of, of, of bringing in a lender at 100%, paying them more to lend at 100%, but also having the pre-qualified uh, with the banks of how you're actually going to exit on the BRRRR strategy, which yeah, I Burr, thought was genius. The, the BRRRR acronym is broken because yeah. it assumes that you can qualify. And you can't. And if you, well, huge. hopefully you can. But if you, if can, you can't, exactly. yeah, it's a terrible thing because people will go borrow money at high rates They'll fix the property up. They'll get it rented. And it's great. Like they can still sell that asset rented turnkey. But if they want to go then refi and they can't, then they're kind of in a bind because they have that high interest. So what happens there is your short-term plan 
turns into a long-term plan. That's that's a bad bad way to go about it. So, Gavin, you're exactly right. I like to refer to it as PBR. It sounds stupid, but none of it matters if you can't get pre if you're not going to be able to get the refi. So, the first thing anybody should do in my opinion is to go get pre-qualified for the right. refi. So, we just buy can, the asset. And what then we're saying, what we're saying is shore your money up whether you're going to rehab or you're going to burr or you're going to do anything. You need to shore the house shore up. The foundation is the money. The foundation yeah. is the money. No, you have the exit. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that like I never even really realized this in like in the big picture until Gavin brought it up. And then Don, you seconded it so hard by saying the first thing you do right. is, is put get your finance part in order. And I'm just like, wow, this is and, amazing. And the, and the real, and the reason is, is wholesalers, you don't need the money. You, you don't need it. Right. So you right. don't need it. You don't even need to think about it. As long as you have money to market with, your mm -hmm. exit is someone else is buying it. Someone else is buying it. But when you have to go, well, I'm going to wholesale, I'm going to buy and hold, I'm going to burr, I'm going to fix and flip. Now, all of a sudden, this is a different beast. Altogether, yeah, wholesaling right? isn't investing, in my opinion, because you're taking very sales little and marketing, risk. isn't it? It's marketing, right? But but when you go into the investing field, it's super important to have your money yeah, in order. 100%. Yes, because at that point you're taking risk. With wholesaling, it's the risk is usually the marketing or the time, yeah. right? Which we you know, which is fine, but it's not like you know uncalculated. Essentially, you know what you're spending in terms of time or money towards your marketing budget with whenever you get into an investment, the risk is, can be, you know, in some cases endless, you know, like it could keep going if you can't sell it or can't get rid of it. So yeah, great point guys. Great point. Really good. I, I want to, I want to add one more little nugget here for those that are rehabbing that, that want that are watching this. A lot of people fail to work with local vendors like carpet cabinets um, and, and windows and stuff like that. You can get those local vendors to give you terms, net 30, net 60, which means basically they come out, they install it, give you an invoice, and you have 30 or 60 days to pay. Um, all you have to do is establish a relationship and ask. That allows money to go a long way. One of the things that we did is we would get reimbursed from our lender you know, on, on the, the, the invoice, and then the money would sit in our bank, and we wouldn't have to pay the bill for 30 days, which allowed us to be even in a stronger cash position. So um, just something that's out there is, you know, a lot of people fail to look at their local service providers as opportunities for relationships. Don't go to Home Depot for windows. Don't go to Home Depot for carpet. Go to your local guy and, uh, and, and work out net 30 terms with them. Build that relationship, work out net 30. That makes your money go a lot further. Yeah, and it's difficult whenever you're at Home Depot buying – 50 grand worth of worth of anything and maybe yeah. not even in one visit guys this could be over like four or five months and trying right. to get a trying to bargain yourself into a discount whereas if you go shake the hand of the local vendor you know and you say hey you know what do i got to spend to get 15 percent off and he tells you boom there you go you're going to get discounts that way too love that yeah. love mm -hmm. that really yeah. good that's really awesome. good yeah um, really good i like that <clears throat> So guys, if you have any questions, oh, I just took it off. If you have any questions, ask away, put them in the chat box. If you're watching on Facebook, uh, you may have to, if you want to show your name, you're going to have to uh, say, allow StreamYard to show your information. Um, but put in the chat. If you are watching again, please give us a like and share your post to get as many eyes as you can uh, on us. That would be great. So any other questions? Please? I got a question for you two fellas. Oh, let's do it. Have you guys looked into the rental car slash Turo 
business model at all. Oh my lord! I saw that post, and 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 I'm getting all hot and bothered over it. I'm not going to lie, but but I'm my my city's Fresno, California, bro. Like, who wants to rent a high performance car in Fresno, California? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be high performance though. That's no, it could be anything. Yeah. It could be any car, right. really. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, especially no is the answer. I've not thought about it, but right now there's no rental cars anywhere because they all got sold off during COVID. So I think it is you know a great opportunity for sure um and and you can do like i said any car i mean you could have anything that's old to you know brand new to a supercar i guess um but what are you you asked that what have you been looking at you've obviously been so looking my at partner mike and i are looking at maybe buying a tesla or two right behind our office is a big parking lot where we can store it and like a hundred yards away from there is a charging station and you can rent these cars for like 150 a day. So you get a bare bones one for 36 grand. Your payment's going to be 500 a month with no money out of pocket to buy it, essentially 100% financing. And it just seems like something that would be pretty easy to cash flow six to 800 a month, maybe more, maybe a thousand. So I have a few friends that are doing it and they're having some success. And then you, Don, you had mentioned that post. I'm assuming you're talking about Dolmar's post. I, I'm talking about Dolmar's post. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. even know Dolmar, but it seems like a great dude. Uh, <laughs> would love dude. to meet him. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, it was pretty neat seeing his post. I think he had like 10 or 12 cars. And uh, it's, I mean, it's no different than a rental game. You know, there's going to be pros and cons to it, of course. Like if something happens and your car gets crashed into or you, they crashed it, like, course there's insurance but like that adds a layer of complexity now you have a note that you still have to pay you have a vehicle that's going to need to get repaired so higher cash flow higher risk but then again you know higher reward so we're thinking about trying it but the one thing that worries me again we're maybe thinking about buying one or even two cars this week and just jumping in and giving it a try right that's uh that's that's the way to do it uh, but the risk that I'm kind of seeing is not necessarily short term, but long term. Gavin, you just mentioned that there's like no rental cars. And if you want to get a rental car, it's, it's like two grand a week. And Don, you yeah. just bought a car because the used car market is so mm. bad. Yeah. Right. Yep. I, I found a new one on the parking lot and I was able to pay less than, than for a used car. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But that's today. There's market cycles. Right. Right. In every market, not just the real estate market. There's market cycles in lumber. There's market cycles in petroleum. There's market cycles in everything. Right. So at some point, the low supply of used cars or rental car business inventory is going to change. You know, so what so are you thinking? <laughs> OK, so you think when it kicks back in, they start buying, there's less demand. Is that's what you. Well, if you're going to if you're going to do it, you want to do it with something that's not ordinary like a tesla is tesla. not necessarily ordinary you know i, I mean agree. that's probably it's why it'll work yeah yeah i probably right. wouldn't buy a honda accord for this like right now you'll probably make some good money but long term i don't think that you will but you know where dolmar came in is he's got you know he's got what he's got like a jeep or two he's got i think he's got a tesla in there BMW. he's got some convertibles yeah he's got some cars that are fun yeah, yeah. and i think that's he's, really the game plan i'm not trying to go buy lamborghinis right yeah, I mean, right. some people could make a ton doing that if they live in Miami or Tampa or New York or right. L.A. But yeah, Fresno and St. Louis, there's not a lot of people that are like, let's go get rent the Lamborghini and drive up and down the strip. 
Yeah. So, but you're gonna you're gonna get people that need to rent a car and think it might be fun to have a Tesla, or you know what you're probably gonna get is somebody who's thinking about buying a Tesla and wants an opportunity to drive one for a couple of days before they absolutely, or people that travel a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great way for them to get in and out of a, of a fun car. Like you know, yeah. when we when I went and did a little mini mastermind a couple of weeks back in Omaha, my buddy Rob Seifert, he uh, he got a Porsche, and he was like, the Porsche Ontario was cheaper than the Honda Accord at Enterprise. Again, that's a temporary thing, but he was just like, yeah. why not have a cool car to drive around? And I'm like, I love it. This is amazing. No, yeah, so, yeah. I like it. I like it. And there's a so, lot of people going one more here, but talk about luxury cars. I know a few people in our industry that buy the Lambos, right? The limited edition that drive them for a year, sell them and make money. I mean, that's a, that's a different, that's not, you're not renting it out, but you're just buying cars that people want. And, and you're literally driving, let, just think about it, like most cars lose money, right? But your high end, you you kind of, your limited edition or whatever, like you, you know, your G-Wagons, your Lambos, um, if you buy the right ones, people are making money on them, which is insane. They're driving them, putting miles on them, selling them and making money. Yeah, isn't that wild? It's mad. Yeah. We went, we went to Vegas a couple of years ago and rented like eight cars, a handful of Lamborghinis, a couple of McLarens, Aston Martin, um, you know, we didn't do anything too crazy, but we, we went a hundred plus miles an hour. I'm not going to say exactly how fast we went pretty damn fast. And we, well, put yeah. we put 280 miles on those cars in 24 hours. Like we drove them. Um, so, you know, you got to know that that's something that's going to probably happen. You know, people are going to have fun in your car that you wouldn't necessarily have yourself, but, yeah. um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's you, okay. So we're, we're off on a tangent here, but that's a good yeah. thing. Distractions, distractions, right? Um, yeah. Is that a distraction from your current business? You know, um, I have people hitting me all the time about Bitcoin stuff. Dave, I know you're huge into Bitcoin. We don't even, I mean, you're, you're just an entrepreneurial beast, right? Um, you know, it's, it, is that a distraction? You know, I, I always worry about talking about it when I, and I'm doing podcasts and stuff like that. You know, do I talk about my questions about Bitcoin? Is that a distraction? Is that a distraction from, you know, the things we're doing, what the information we're putting out there? You know, um, it's a great know, how do you guys feel about that? You know, I mean, you know, people listening here that are building the business and they got all these things coming at them. You know, how, how many of these distractions should they be even considering or should they be considering any of them? Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. I think it, it depends where you are in life and investing. Right. I, I feel that if you're brand new <laughs> and you're trying to start, you got to focus. You can't have all this nonsense. Right. I agree. 100%. I believe for us where we are we can have the shiny object of a car rental business right because it's like we're always looking for something else to add but if we just started i don't know like i've got one right now i've been thinking of uh you know the trucks like the 18 wheelers we have a port in savannah okay and that they get paid per load coming in and out for a local like taking it across the street from the warehouse to the drop in um from the port to the warehouse right and i'm thinking what if i buy a truck how much would the payment be? I can then put a driver in it and pay him a wage to drive it. Uh, and then what could you make on that? You know, so I'm always looking for random things as well because it's exciting for me sometimes to be out of real estate and do something different. So you guys, got, you both have such great points, shiny objects, but also, yeah. you, you know, you got to stay interested. So the way I look at yeah. it isn't really a car rental business per se is it's, it's the business of acquiring assets with little to no money. And that's yep. the business that I'm in. So real estate is just the easiest product to fulfill that model. Think of it that way for a second. So 
I go borrow a hundred thousand to purchase another 20 or 25 to fix it up. I get it rented. It appraises for 160. I get a refinance. My lenders get paid back plus interest. I have no money in it and I have a rental that cash flows two or 300 a month. With that, you get some depreciation and someone else is paying it off. It's the business of acquiring an asset with little to no money. The reason I even like this, and again, it is kind of a shiny object, but like it is because it's the same model. I can go get 10 car loans with none of my own money out of pocket and finance them. And each of these will cash flow, hopefully two to three times what a house would, right? So like it's basically just one of the irons in that fire. So I also have another line. It's all vertically integrated essentially though. But another line would be my Airbnb business. I only have two Airbnbs. So not a very good, not a big business, let's say. And they're in the same building. It's a three-story building. The top two floors are a unit. The bottom floor is a unit, right? Thing about that is it's in the city limits and in St. Louis where we invest and have this Airbnb. If it's in the city limits, they tax it as like a corporate tax rate versus a residential tax rate. And our taxes on this building went from 3,600 to 7,800 a year because we made it in Airbnb. So it's like, oh man, that eats up so much cash flow by that simple yeah. little change. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Sometimes it's just you got to have a couple of different irons in the fire because that building essentially breaks even now. Eight grand in taxes a year. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's crazy. it's insane. <laughs> so what you're telling me is we're we're here to teach people how to make money without using any of their own time and any of their own money. It sounds like an 80s guru. <laughs> but that's essentially that's essentially what we're doing, right? And uh, so what's the most important the most important thing that you need to to do, you need to work on building, you know, in in your business to make it ultimately successful. And I'm going to throw my answer in there. I think it's access. I think it's access to capital and I think it's access to the right people. And I think that is the most important tool that you can have when it comes to building this business. And, and a lot of us don't necessarily feel like we have that when we start, but that's what we always need to be working to is maximizing that access. Dave, you have access to banks and banking relationships that allow you to do what you do. You have access to a great inner circle that allows you to do what you do. Gavin, I'm sure you have the same in, in me as well. So the, the greater access you have to capital, the greater you're gonna be able to leverage that capital, make money without any of your own money. And the greatest access to good people, the less time you're gonna spend doing it. Well said. Yep. Absolutely. You nailed it. That's it. Nailed it's access. It. And it and and I think as well, but like again, shiny objects is that I think the the entrepreneur, right? That's what we are, we're entrepreneurs. And I think there's a lot of people that want to be entrepreneurs that are in nine till fives, and that's why maybe they're listening now or they're trying to invest or they're trying to do something. And and I think one of the most frustrating things for me in, in the industry is when people keep hopping and can't make and it's just say it doesn't work and then they hop to the next thing and it doesn't work and they hop to the next thing and it doesn't work and there's a re you have to come to reality that you're the one that's not working right because clearly if i'm doing what i'm doing and don's doing what he's and dave's doing what he's doing and we're doing different things and it's all working it's what you focus on can work um and i think that's the difference when we take something on we always give it a good run to really say if it worked or not, right? You're not gonna, Dave, you're not gonna buy a Tesla and then two weeks ago, well, this ain't working because no one's rented it. 
You're not going to do that, right? In six well, months, you might say. It's possible that that happens. Yeah, but you know, but no, the point is, is though, you're not going to say that after. You're but not going to tuck it in after two though, weeks. Is that I'm willing to try. Yeah, but you're going to give it six months, though, aren't you? You're going to yeah. give oh, it absolutely. a long time. Yeah, we're going to not in two weeks. You're going to go. No one's rented it. I'm done. Absolutely. I'm, I'm absolutely. Out of here. And I'm not just creating this out of thin air. I'm seeing people having success with just it. Just doing it. Absolutely. Yeah, and then my buddy Rob, our buddy Rob, that I had just mentioned earlier has a whole like uh, business template to do it. Like, like, you know, how to basically do all of it and how to systematize it, you know, and how to place keys so where you don't have to be there to meet people. And like, I don't know how to do any of that, right? So this without, is the process. Without some help and saying. guidance, we wouldn't even have, have yeah. thought of this, right? So, so the access, access to knowledge, access to people, access, access to capital. Boom. Access. Man, it keeps coming yeah. back to that, doesn't it? <clears throat> so, yeah. But that's wow. to Kevin's point, you know, that's why I said, you know, when we're talking about some of these different things, are they distractions? We have established ourselves in something before we looked at a distraction. And even then, we got to be careful about the distractions we look at. A lot of people will see Dave talk about the rental car industry and feel like they can bounce, like you said, Gavin, without giving yeah. the first thing a full run. You yeah. have to, whether it's your marketing channel, refining your sales skills, finding private money, no matter what it is you're doing in your business, you have to make sure that you give it a proper run, that you're putting the time and energy or investment into it for it to build its own momentum, period, hands down. And, Everything takes time to build its momentum. Like, you know, I want to just hammer that in. If you're, if anybody's hearing this at all, we built momentum in something, handed it to somebody to run it for us. And we're looking at something else. We're not looking at something else because one thing's not working. Absolutely. You're transforming or transitioning your fundamentals constantly into each business. You're taking yeah. the core of everything we do and we're going into the next thing. But we take about, we take a lot of the processes we have the mentality, the mindset we have into the next thing um, to, to be able to build it. You know, I believe that as silly as it sounds, being a golf professional was one of the main reasons I made it in real estate because of the mindset, because I had the hmm. mindset that I was never going to give up and it was going to work and I was going to do everything it took to make it work. And I already had that installed from what I used to do. And that's where I come in with a different mindset where someone else that, works for a paycheck it's they don't maybe have that and it's harder so you gotta you've got to train your mind you've got to work on the mindset right you've got to read the books and, and implement things to, to 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 build that but once something works we would automatically like dave's just nailed it he's taking what he does with houses and puts it into cars so there's not that much difference in terms of the funding side oh it's a shiny it, object for sure. It is, but you're but, transferring but it, but what you already do for it to though. work. Yeah, it's very Absolutely. similar. It's not that much different. It's not like, I don't look at it like a whole new business. I look at it as a branch of my existing is, exactly. business. Right. Yeah. But you're not getting into something like you're not going into being a scientist that you know nothing about, right? You're just going, hold on, this is what I do anyway. Instead of house, I'm going to do it in cars. And then you just have to refine the process of where do I leave the keys? Do I put them in a lockbox? Do I hide them? Do I, yeah. who, you know, who, how do I make sure it charges? It afterwards? Yeah. Who's going to clean it? You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. All these things are going to require time and processes. Yeah. And yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know about my new Dawn coin that's being developed <laughs> right now, I'm selling a course on that. You just go to 1-800-DAWN-S-A-DIPSHIT. <laughs> you buy that course. Yeah. Fred, the program uh, is called Turo. It's not really a program. It's more of an app. 
and it's yeah. just it's it's basically like an Airbnb for cars. It's really no different, and they're they're cars for rent, and it's short term rentals. You might be able to find a week or a month or a quarter if somebody's willing to do that for the right price, but typically it's it's a short term like you know two to three day type of thing, um, and anybody can basically be a host. And anybody else can basically be a, what's it, a customer, client, whatever. It's an Airbnb. It's yeah, it's Airbnb for cars. Turo, T-U-R-O. Not trying to go down that path, but I did want to address that question. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and then I guess we'll get back onto real estate. But I think it's important what we're talking about for people to take away. But one thing I will say about, because you brought it up, Don, about the whole like uh, coin stuff. I think, again, mindset, you have to be you've got to see the bigger picture on it and you've got to be mentally strong right mm -hmm. i remember being in key west i think with dodge mm -hmm. david dodge not dodge coin dodge <laughs> and uh and he'd lost like a hundred grand that day because it had tanked he didn't lose it didn't lose it he never had it but he's like oh when so he starts his day we wake up and he's like yeah i just lost 100 grand awesome and he just goes about his day like nothing <laughs> But, but he never had it. So he's in the right mindset. Now, other people would be like, I'm going to jump off a bridge, just lost 100 grand. Like, this is, I can't deal with this. So I think the coin is an emotional roller coaster for people because if you're on the app watching it going, oh, it's up, it's down, it's, it, it's a massive mental time suck for me. If you're not prepared to go, it's long term, I'm putting it in, whatever happens, happens, I'm done. But a lot of people are like, look, oh, it's gone down, oh, it's up, it's down, it's up. And it, it's just a nightmare. So I just want to throw that out there because I remember I was having that conversation. I was having a conversation with my son um, at lunch yesterday. <clears throat> I talked about him. He's working with me right now in training and, and stuff. And, and he's talking to somebody about a, a house um, that's worth $1.2 And the guy wants around $700,000. And I looked at him. He's 16. I said, how do you feel about buying a house for $700,000 right now? And he said, well, if we're going to turn a profit, that was, that was his response. And I go, but you don't have, you don't feel anything about it. And he's like, well, he's like, first he goes, well, it's not my money, but he goes, he goes, but uh, he goes, if we're going to turn a profit, it's not that big of a deal. And so it just kind of hit home that then I want to say this out loud. We're talking about, you know, Dave, Dave does not have an emotional connection to money. Money is a tool for Dave. And a lot of people will come into this business and they will have an emotional connection to money and they'll operate out of fear and they'll make decisions out of fear and everything is a cost. And for us, I have zero emotional connection to money. I can write a million dollar checkout, sign it and hand it to somebody and have zero effects to me emotionally at all because it's a tool. You know, it's a, it's a tool that's going to allow me to move forward and, uh, and do what I need to do. And so that's how, do you how get I look from at it. Having the emotional, <clears throat> the emotional effect or response or feeling to not. I think that's a good point, Don. Yeah. Really, really good point. I think part of it is some of us are just built that way. Honestly, I'm built that way, Dave. I know you, you were, you, I don't think you've ever had fear in your life, but Hey, maybe you have, um, so, <laughs> I do. I do. But yeah, but, uh, some of us are built that way. And some of us, you got to train yourself. It's, it's going to be a mindset thing. And you gotta, you can consistently tell yourself, this is an investment, not a cost. Like marketing is an investment, not a cost. If you're, if you're marketing from a position of fear, if you're marketing from a position of being cheap or, or, or a broke mindset, 
And because that, that money has an emotional connection and you're not calculating the return on investment when you're making your decision, you're never going to market to the level that you could potentially market to. If you're borrowing from lenders from a position of fear, you're never going to borrow the way you need to borrow to build a, a successful rehab business. So you got to you got to understand that there's risk and reward, that it is an investment that sometimes you get kicked in the nuts and that's just the way it is. And it's going to be a learning experience. But as long as the ROI outweighs, you know, the kicks in the nuts, you're going to be fine and you move forward. And and it's I think I make it sound easier than it really is for people that have an emotional connection to it. But that's where I, I that's where I see a lot of people struggle. It's not just fear and, you know, how do I talk to a seller? It's there's also that. Well, you know, what if I spend that money on marketing and it doesn't work? You know, mm-hmm. we look at it. At, well, what if we spend that marketing money on marketing and it doesn't work? Okay, well, that's the marketing channel we're not going to spend money on anymore. We're going to mm-hmm. deploy over here. So you got to look at the ROI. It's either ROI and knowledge, which people can you can never lose at that point in time. You have that forever, or it's an ROI in dollars. Yeah. And and as long as you're looking at it that way, you should be you should be able to remove some of that fear or most of that fear. Yeah, absolutely. Great. It is great. I mean, especially when it comes to real estate. I have a client that I've been working with a month and he's got a hundred grand in closing in his first 30 days. He's not brand new to the business. He was a rehab. He's in St. Louis. And, um, and, but he comes in and he's not playing at it. Right. So he's, he's throwing money at marketing. He's bringing in leads. He's not saying I got $500 to spend because a lot of people that come into our space, they want to spend a hundred five hundred dollars a month, but they want 10 deals. Right. And it's just not going to happen. So you, you have to be willing to spend the money in, and then it's an investment, right? It isn't a, uh, it's not costing you. You have to do, it. it's just the cost of doing business um to be able to do that so that's a great point people say well i want the results of that guy but he's working 10 hours a day he's putting money into systems and marketing and you work a nine to five and you want to work 30 minutes a day and you want to spend 500 dollars a month so you cannot get the results he's getting right it's not possible so you have to look at the whole concept when we teach to say well i want to be like that guy where well, you've got to act and and you've got to take action like that guy or that gal does that make sense I think Absolutely. people don't understand that. Like, oh, I want to do 10 deals a month, but I only want to spend a thousand minutes. <laughs> it's not going to happen, you know? <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, that's a great point. It's a really yeah. good point. Um, yeah. This is a weird, this is where I'm just going to say it. I'm going to call it the elephant in the room. Dave is not talking enough on this call. I know we gave him a bad time last time, <laughs> but you're really trying to behave yourself, buddy, and it's uh, awkward. That's, he keeps laughing to himself. It's, it's hilarious. Man, I got it a couple times this week. Shut up. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep it. Again, people beating you up, Dodge? We're Unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. What's wrong with people? What's wrong with people? I don't know what to say. I'm ready for you to leave. I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, I think we've had some really good conversations today, yeah. boys. The, yeah. the, the access, I want to kind of just circle back on that. I think that is such a great, I'm looking at it as like a perspective, like, um, but it's, it's so instrumental to have access. How do you get access? Let's just talk about that for a second. It's, it's relationships. Mm-hmm. It, is it, is it anything else? It's it's relationships. No, it's relationships. I mean, relationships. Yeah. Look, the best money that you can get 
when it comes to, if you're going to borrow from an institution, is from a local bank and building a relationship with a local bank. It's not some massive conglomerate, Bank of America, whatever. You go down to your local, like Fresno First Bank here in Fresno. You build those relationships. They're the decision makers. They know you. They like you. They're going to lend to you. Private money lenders building those relationships. People know and like you and trust you. They're going to lend you. Access to capital, you know, is huge. Um, the same thing with, hey, Dave, I need help with this, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. I can call you and ask you a question because we have that relationship. And so, you know, it's people think that, oh, I'm going to do this and somebody's automatically obligated to give me this knowledge or give me this money. And, and they don't understand that it takes time to build that foundation of trust and that foundation of friendship and that I got your back. But there are people out there, there, there are people that you vendors that will have your back. Some will stab your back. A lot of them will have your back. There are lenders that will have your back. There are people in the community that will have your back. Yes, you got to watch out for the snakes. There are plenty of snakes, and I'm sure we got our own list of them, right, boys? But but uh, there are some great people out there that will literally give you the shirt off your their back to help you be successful, and you got to not be afraid to build those relationships because that access is huge. It accesses yeah. everything, and it really is. It is. And everything that, 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 we, that I do and that we do is to better our relationships like this live stream right here let's help people let's get together let's network but it also right. builds credibility that we know what we're doing right mm -hmm. and, it, and it's going to strengthen relationships with people that we don't even really know but those yeah. people may be lenders or they may be an agent that has a deal for us or whatever right so it's it's yeah. constantly building on the relationships which basically gives you access and access gives you the ability to do things and control. And yeah, it's yeah. such a great way to look at it, guys. I'm really happy that we had this conversation because it's it's opening my mind up to some things as well, too, right now yeah. about, about the fact that and it is just it's, access. Yeah. And the, the one of the ways that we learn as well is that you'll notice that a lot of the time we're talking about the things that went wrong, right? Because people are we're just people at the end of the day, right? So when they listen, they go, oh, yeah, that's me. I do that. Or, yeah, I don't want to do that. Because at the end of the day, we could sit here and just tell you what works, but that'd be a false—that'd uh, be false in the business, right? Obviously, it's it's good for a mindset to go, oh, this is what can be achieved. But you also have to look at the mistakes and, and for people to learn. Going, in little things like the painting, the the yard work, like when to do it, you know, being pre-qualified on the Burr method before you think about do it, like all these things that go. I mean, I'd not thought about it until you said that earlier with a bird mouth. I'd not heard of anyone say it. It's not my strategy, but I'm like, makes a lot of sense. But doesn't that make a lot of sense? Especially, it does. If you, yeah, makes I mean, a lot of sense. People I mean, don't think of it. They're like, oh, let's get approved. Common like, sense. It's you might not sense. get approved. Yeah, exactly. and in the and there's a thing called seasoning, and in yep. the beginning, you're gonna have it. Period. Yep. You know, it took me a year to go from six months to three months of seasoning. And it took another year to go from three months to one to two months. And then it took another year to go to a month. And I'm finally at the point now where they just want to see the lease. But that took me three and a half years. Of building a relationship. Access. Building a relationship building that access. gives me access to loans with less seasoning. Yeah. And that's probably a local that's probably a local lender too, huh? All of them are. Yeah. yeah. So let yeah. me, let me let, for people who don't know what seasoning is, let's educate. Because if somebody hears seasoning for the first time, what is seasoning, Dave? Just Doesn't, it's not what goes on steaks and sausages. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it? So seasoning is basically the, the lender uh, mm -hmm. requiring you, the borrower, to have 
um, built an established a lease or income on a property. And, you know, obviously we're talking about real estate. So seasoning could, could go different with a different type of loan, right? But on a real estate loan, the seasoning refers to the fact that it's performing. So they don't want to lend on a vacant property and they don't want to lend on a property that you just leased yesterday because what happens if that guy just doesn't move in and he doesn't show up? So seasoning is a way for the bank to kind of mitigate their own risk by in the beginning saying, hey, we want to see six months leased and we want to see the rent roll. Like we want to see it, like prove that that guy paid you the rent six times. And that's essentially what six months seasoning is. So it may take you longer than six months to get six months seasoning. That's six months rented. So if you buy a property that needs 20 or 25 grand worth of rehab, which typically we, we shoot for those type of properties because you also have to earn that entrepreneurial credit, uh, which is going to be a minimum rehab amount in order for them to lend on the appraisal not the purchase cost, right? But but just to simplify, not go on forever about this, seasoning basically shows that it's performing and it's proof mm -hmm. that it's performing. So in the beginning, the bank's gonna give you longer seasoning because you don't have as strong of a relationship. Sure. Yeah. So they're gonna mitigate the risk. As your relationship builds and grows, mm -hmm. which it will naturally, they're gonna say, hey, this, this lender is he's less risk. So we only need to see three months. And again, at this point, this, take, this took me a hundred burrs, guys. By the way, I've done a hundred of these. Not saying that to brag, but it takes that many essentially of relationship building yeah. for them to say, hey, you, we don't require it. And some banks still do, guys. It's only yeah. the ones that I've done 40 loans with that say, yeah, you're good for it. We know, right? Yeah. So You know, and, and, and just to kind of throw it out there, some banks will define it differently. Some banks just look at seasoning as time of ownership, length of ownership. They may not want to see performance. And sure. that could, you know, like if you're going to refinance a personal residence, you're going to buy something to turn around and refinance it. They may want you to own it for six months or a year before Absolutely. you're allowed to refinance it. So, uh, but that's, that's, you know, and uh, something to be said about lenders. Let me just throw one more thing about lenders. And I, and I believe banks are the same way. Everybody knows that everybody is going to do good when the chips are, 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 are good, when, when you're winning. A lot of lenders want to see how you handle yourself and a project doesn't go right. That's going to be the biggest test. You know, if you have a private money, private money lender and you, you're, it's a break-even property, but the interest is a loss, and you write that interest check and the lender knows that was a loss, that lender is going to lend you again and again and again and again. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people go to that lender and say, well, I didn't make any money. Can I get less interest? Like, yeah. look, that's... That's a risky move. You know, you, you write that lender that check and you're guaranteed loans. And when lenders see that you handle yourself properly and you honor your word when the chips are down, you're yeah. going to have a lender for life. Yeah. Throw My eyes, you can't even go back and ask no. because you're you're paying them a small piece mm -hmm. to make a lot. So if you don't right. make a lot or won't make any, you had that opportunity. You screwed it up, right? Yeah, right. So how do we prevent I, this from happening, guys? It's so simple. There's one simple answer, in my opinion. Buy lower. Yeah, the yeah. bigger discount when you buy, the less risk you take on. When I go buy a deal, I don't even look at the upside. People think I'm crazy when I tell them this. I don't give a shit. What I look at is how can I screw up three different ways? Because I might screw up one way. Right. I hope not to, but it may happen. But how do I screw up three different rate ways and still break even? Did we get it low enough? Mm -hmm. Right. And then you you basically I don't want to say mitigate them to zero because there's always a risk, but you can reduce your risk substantially if you don't pay anywhere near retail. 20 percent discounts 
minimum, and that's without wholesaling. That's just to try to get it into you know the, the portfolio with none of your own money or even little to no money. So on average, guys, I still leave a little in a deal. Like um, I think my average right now is probably around twelve hundred dollars that we leave in a property. But check this out: when we first started four years ago, it was sixteen thousand. Right? A year goes by, we get it down to ten thousand. Another year goes by, we get it down to three thousand. Some deals we can walk with a couple grand, but some deals the bank says, hey, we're not giving you 80% and we're still going to lend on the appraisal because you did what we wanted you to do by fixing the property up and mitigating our risk as the bank, but we're not giving you 80% in that neighborhood. We'll give you 75%. Well, we may have calculated 80, no big deal. You leave 12, 1500 bucks in a deal that's going to cash flow and all the other things, right? So just know that it's not always a zero out type of a game. The relationship matters, I think is the point. Yeah, yeah really good. Cool. Okay, well, we're at time. Um, next Close week. Us out, Gavin. Close us out, buddy. Yeah, so guys, make sure every, we won't be late normally. We haven't been late, this is the first time. Uh, but every Wednesday, 12 Eastern, uh, 11 Central, 9 Pacific, uh, join us, Coffee with Closers. It's always going to be myself, Don, and Dave. Uh, and plus, we will bring on special guests. Um, we will keep up, up, keep you up to date throughout the week on who that's going to be, who's coming up next. Um, and remember, bring your questions. And we have free resources as well. If you go to coffeewithcloserslive.com, coffeewithcloserslive.com, we have where you can pull this. We've got free trials on the systems that we use. You can sign up. Again, if they don't work for you, you cancel within seven days and it won't cost you a thing. So go and check them out as well. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Appreciate right. you. Thank you. Bye. We ended it. <laughs>